Welcome to the 90th Minute Wish Podcast. I'm your host, Mario. I'm your mom, Cole. Hello. So, we'll forget this right before we start the show. We'll forget, we'll forget everything we're going to do. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Like you know, funny. Up. I was listening to a podcast as well. Um, it was about it was a match Chelsea podcast, and they were doing a player special um, about Ansaul. You know, so they it's called the byline, and the guy brought in a La Liga expert, uh, a non-biased fan, not a Chelsea <laughs> fan, but a non-biased. A person who is not a Chelsea fan, but they won't let rivalry cloud judgment. So they actually speak, you know, sensible stuff. And a Chelsea fan. And the the owner is the owner of the podcast, the host of the podcast is a Chelsea fan. So and I was listening to the podcast, you know, like just there because I told that my shoulder updates are killing me for some reason. So just lying down in bed listening to the podcast and it, you know, they were talking about the guy, the La Liga expert. Um, Atleti's his club, and he was talking about one of the reasons why Saul wanted to, to leave so badly was that he was tired of being the utility player, you know? He was tired of being a player that filling at left back, filling at right back, filling at wing back, filling at defensive midfield, filling, yeah, you know? He's like... He and you know, Saul gave an inter- long interview today with the Athletic, where you know they're saying that the reason why he pushed for the move and the reason why him and Diego Simeone fell out was that he wanted to play as a central midfielder, and I don't think it was not much of a case as the the playing style, but were more of the fact that he was tired of of playing. You know, left back, right back, CDM. He was tired of playing all over the pitch. Right, and, you know, hold, the hold, on, saying, hold on, let me let me, yeah. let me chip in right before you. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, you see, the thing about Simeone's squad is that, and this is the part where I can't just look at Saul alone because that's everything in Simeone's squad. Koke mm-hmm. can complete. Koke could come out and complain about playing left wing, right wing, center mid, defense, mid forward sometimes. If you need a right back, um, Diego Llorente, he's a natural defensive midfielder. He plays all over the pitch as well. Um, Angel Correa's career has been halted by this because Angel Correa in 2012 was probably seen as like a very, was supposed to be seen as really the next Aguero. But um, in terms of playing style, but if you really look at what Simeone has done with the squad, is that every player is a utility player. Each week that you come in, based on what team I'm playing, I will put players in. in Where you want to use the same playing style, same formation, but based on the team I'm playing and what I want out of a certain player, basically, Simeone's squad is a bunch of footballers today. Yeah, which was exactly, I was that, that was exactly my point that I was coming to because the 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 owner of the podcast was like the host of the podcast sorry was like so tell me where in where on the pitch can we play Saul and we can get an above average or an average performance and the guy was like well you could play my right wing back you could play my left wing back you know he says the only two positions on the pitch you wouldn't play Saul is maybe a forward or as a defender or in the goal Right. And here's the oh, here's the funny thing. Simeone has used him both positions. Simeone has used Saul as a center back before, and he used him um yeah, not know, as the, not as the pure pure striker, but as a striker that roams off of the pure striker, off of yeah. the number nine. But I meant as like a pure, you know, pure goal scoring striker, and you know, as like as a starting center back, you know. No, he started him at center back, like a see, eh? well, not, not in a row, but like you know, there were games where he started at center back. If you go back to not this season or the season before. Um, I, I, not this season or the our last season. Sorry, we'll, we'll reach a new season now. Not last season, but if you look at Saul's career, there's been times where Simeone has started him. Especially when they were transitioning out of Godin and um, Miranda, 
Mm-hmm. Especially when they were transitioning out of that and they were just continuously switching centre-backs where it was Stefan Savic sometimes, sometimes Temines. Um, I you know Saul would go there sometimes. Maybe uh, what's the guy that they signed before here? Rodri. When they had Rodri, sometimes he would go back there. Like, like I said, Simeone sees his squad as, hey, you guys are just a bunch of footballers and anyone who put you on the pitch is just going to perform. Exactly. And, you know, I just said to myself that, you know, like, players like this normally, like, players who are footballers, who have good footballing brain, you know, they sometimes they suffer because of this. You know, they, because they are good at what they do or because they have the ability to play in different positions, they suffer for it. The same, the same saying, Jack of all trades, whenever a master one. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, you know, I guess for every team, it's good to have like one or two utility players. You know, like, let's look at Aspelo Creator. He's not really a utility player, but he's a pure defender. Left back, right back, center back. Back four, back three. Even if James was filled you have, better, as, you, you have a better example than like Kimmich? Philip Lam. I was going oh, to Philip Lam. True. Well, Lam. Well, okay, that's, that's, that's really good. So, right yeah, because you have to remember. Hold on, hold on. Because if you go back to even 2010, Lam, when Van Gaal was there, Lam played yeah, a lot of games at left back, center back, defensive mid. Yes. Pep used him as a deep line playmaker at times. Um, you know, on either wing as a wing. endorsements from Pep. Pep was like, yo, he's coached a lot of great players, but Lam is the most player. intelligent player most, he's most ever coached. Most intelligent player, exactly. And this is a so, man that has Iniesta, Xavi for exactly. years. Iniesta, Xavi, Busquets. Um, so, you know, like I said, Lam is a pure footballer. Anywhere you put him on the pitch, he can play because he's a footballer. But here's a problem. When you're football, you see, it's good to have utility players coming off the bench. Like, let's use somebody off of the bench who was like, um, we can use Raul Morales, who was a part of Chelsea. You could play him as a defensive midfielder, as a 10, as a central. Um, because again, even though he was high energy, he was a footballer, you just put him somewhere and he plays. Uh, say under um Pep Guardiola, yeah, and this is also why Yaya Toure left. Yeah, because I remember one time Pep was playing Yaya Torre as a centre-back. Him and Marquinhos. Yeah. Mar- Marquinhos? Was it Marquinhos was playing alongside the centre-back? You're thinking Rafa Marquez, but it wasn't... It was Rafa Marquez. Yeah, you're thinking Rafa Marquez. Well, the name you're thinking is Rafa Marquez. That's why I said, when you say Marquinhos, that's the first person I came with. Rafa Marquez. Um, yeah, you're not... You, you've never been one with the pronunciation. So, not accused of that. Um... But yeah, like that Champions League final in 09, it was him and PK who started the game. Because by that time, Rafa was still a part of the squad, but was, um, not more, he wasn't a starter anymore. I don't know why. Puyol and there was, was an injury. You had, a, you had that injury. Puyol, Puyol, Puyol. Yeah, Puyol didn't start it. Yeah, Puyol didn't start it. And he moved Yaya to the back. But Pep has a tendency, and this is why at first people thought that Pep was racist. And this, do, do this to Mascherano as well. Mascherano as well. Because Mascherano came to Barca as really, uh, like I said, I put these guys into that category. And I'm glad you said Mascherano because that's when kind of people stopped looking at Pep in a racist way. Because Pep thought, because everybody thought that Pep only saw black players as utility players. Well, because Rather than I'm... football players. Oh. Rather than, okay, I can put him here to do a Xavi thing or an Iniesta thing. Because if you look at, say, even Eto, Eto was moved out onto the wing because of the false nine thing. He was moved out onto the right wing. No. Henry was left wing, even though Henry loved playing on the left. But Eto didn't want to play on the right. Yeah, Eto didn't want to start on, on, on the right wing. He was still a world class striker under Guardiola. So, um, Mascherano coming yeah, in. Yeah, I think with the Pep thing, I think persons, after time persons, I think when you went to Bayern, I think it kind of, I think it was maybe 
Zlatan, because when person said the same thing to Zlatan, and then um, Via, Via went through the same thing as well. Yeah, Via, 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 Valencia played through the middle. Via, Real Zargoza played through the middle. Yeah, I think, um, I think, I think that's when, I think it was really at, after they got rid of Zlatan, I think that's when persons realize, oh, okay, maybe it's not a racist thing. It's maybe that Pep just doesn't like number nines. No, not even number nine, but in terms of like utility players, people thought that he, he saw black players as just utility rather than they can be a deep line playmaker. They have intelligence rather than they're just physical, hardworking man. Yes, they are, but they have intelligence as well. You cannot play in a Pep squad without intelligence, which is why... Exactly. It's, it's very funny that no, you know, I find that that kind of impression weird because for a player to play in another position, you have to have a footballing brain to do so. Because you have to understand what that role is and what that position is and True. how to play that position. True. But players like I who said, are very good at playing in multiple positions are normally players who have very good footballing brains. Which is true. But again, sometimes um, us black players, we were normally seen mm-hmm. as, oh, the big, strong, physical guy. Or if you're a small or oh, the high energy guy that never stops running. Which is why I think people even underrated Angola Kante. How many times have I told you that Kante is, is one of the, is a very complete midfielder when it comes down to passing, reading the game? Yeah, you know, funnily, he's not George either in passing. He's not. He Kante has just this holding mid player because exactly because black players black players including the SC like I remember when Makaleli said that yo Kante is not my replacement because we play the game differently. Yeah my I, I was a specialist at sitting in front of the defense. Kante is a specialist of winning the ball all over the pitch. The only thing that Makaleli said was that as Kante gets older, he has to rely more on intelligence than his physical attributes so that he doesn't burn himself out too quickly. Exactly. Because as we know, Michael he went on to play right up into his, his late 30s. Yeah, played at PSG um, after Chelsea. Um, in all fairness, helped with the start of the PSG revolution. Exactly. So it's it's a weird thing how but then yeah, yeah like you said there is this stereotype about black players that, that we're either we're just physical specimens is either we run up exactly. and down all over the place or we're just physically big and strong that's it and i think now it's been maybe over the last maybe 10 maybe 15 years yeah give that, or take that, that yeah that perception that, has changed that oh and, yeah players like money who's come through the ranks show you say that oh we're more than just physical no, beasts, but, you know. We have no, flair as well. No, but, no, but here's no, the thing. No, because there was a winger the, that used to play with Etufa Cameroon. You'll be the best one to... A winger? Remember. A winger, yeah, or, a winger. or a striker? No, uh, I remember when Cameroon used to play 4-4-2. And they had a, they had a winger on the left-hand side that played for, with Eto. You sure is a winger you're talking about because there's two players in my mind who were very good when Etu was playing and one of them was an attacking midfielder that Man United signed and the other one is a forward that played alongside. Alright, it's probably the attacking midfielder but I knew he played on the wing. Alright, so there's a match that he played on the wing for I'm going to call Tony. I'm going to call Tony. You sure is... And more more make sure you're sure is Cameroon. You have Jemba Jemba who was the attacking midfielder um, and shout out to Sir Alex because he bought him to be very, um, because of his intelligence. Jemba Jemba was an attacking midfielder. He could play central mid, he could play out wide as well if necessary. But Pierre Weebo was Eto's perfect strike partner because they really had the same thing. It's Jemba Jemba. It's Jemba Jemba. Okay, but like, yeah, but Jemba Jemba could play all over the midfield, meaning that he could all play attacking over, mid. All yeah, over. yeah, so mid, he could play that's why. He was, yeah, that's why I remember watching that. him play. It was a friendly match. And as you know, you, you know, I don't really watch that much African matches. Yeah. But it was a friendly match between them and Ivory Coast. And it was wonderful football. Wonderful. It's one of the few like African matches that I've watched and I've like thoroughly enjoyed watching it. It was just wonderful. No, football. but that's one of the things I tell people is that um the perception that we have of even our own footballers 
um, as black people, we don't see ourselves as and I won't lie to you. I had that same perception as well. I remember when it was. Of course, we grew up on it. We grew up on it. We grew up on watching the South, was the South African League. Were we watching? Yeah. And you were telling me that the team that was playing was the team that could probably win the the Champions League, the Afri- the African Champions League. Alali, they're from Egypt. They're, yeah. Um, and, yo, hey the style of football, that them football good. <laughs> Like I said, it's it, it's the perception that we were remember. You know, we grew up watching European football from a what I used to watch it from sports max, Sky Sports, Fox Sports. It doesn't matter where. When we were growing up as Caribbean kids, we were always told that yo, the black guys, high energy, high working. That was what we were taught. So I had to break my own perception, and, and even me never break my perception. What broke my perception was the Orlando Pirates, which is why I'm such a huge supporter of the South African League. Is because if you go back to even the match that Orlando Pirates played against Tottenham in 2001, I never saw that match live, but I've, I've, I've seen highlights and I've seen repeats of that match over the years. Mm-hmm. If you watch that match, we outclassed European players with pass. We outclassed um, a Tottenham team that was supposed to be more talented than 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 um the Orlando Pirates because it's just a bunch of African guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about they just physically no Tottenham were the ones playing physical. Tottenham's were the one trying to kick down people. Tottenham were the one kicking the long balls up front. Hopefully they're to be funny you know, that that that's been a trademark of English football. Kick long and run. Switch the ball keep the ball from one side of the pitch until the other side clear switch it to the other side. Yep. Manchester United scored lots of goals that way. Exactly. Um, and I have to give Sir Alex credit as well. Having a, a, a black strike partnership of Dwight York, who's Trinidadian, and Andy Cole. Those guys were intelligent forwards. A treble winning forward line. And Dwight York never gets credit because Trinidad is even worse than Jamaica knowing football. But there was a time where Trinidad... Um, especially in 2006, which is the last time they made the World Cup. Um, there was a time where Trinidad was up there with me. There was a time where it was Trinidad and, and Mexico running conquer with us Jamaicans right behind in third. We don't know yep. when US, USA just pumped one bag of money into their money, football. Money. Yeah, money. And, yeah, money. And, and it just rise up. And funny yeah. enough, the US, the US had a match in the World Cup against Trinidad. I don't think it was the oldest one, but there was a World Cup before that, if I'm not mistaken. And if the US had lost that match, there would be no MLS. Because I think the investors wanted to see how the US performed in football on the national stage. And they were either going to cancel the MLS and just focus on the baseball, the NFL, basketball, and, and, and um, they beat Trinidad, and that was one of the launching parts for keeping the MLS. Because back then, it wasn't really the MLS, it was still the USL. So still had teams like the New York Cosmos and, and teams like that. LA Galaxy was still around, but you had teams like the New York Cosmos involved and all that. So uh, anybody who doesn't know the New York Cosmos, they're a team that's, that signs a bunch of old, old players who are legendary. Patrick Vieira ran through there. Pele was their first big signing. Um, and stuff like that. But yeah, there's always been a perception that certain players are just physical specimens. So, when you brought up Mascherano, and that's why I brought up Philip Lam as well. Philip Lam was used as a um, utility player a lot in his career, but the thing about it is he was still a starting 11 guy. And he didn't mind. He didn't mind playing all over the place. But not everybody becomes a Philip Lam while being a utility player. Because yep, most, exactly. most utility players are either brought off the bench or even if you're a starter, because you played so many positions, you're not mastering one. A lot of people um, criticized, well, not criticized in a large way, but I don't remember if it was Rio Ferdinand who said it, because he's the one who has been the most open about um, that Man United uh, team that Sir Alex left behind. Mm-hmm. He said that one of the reasons why Phil Jones didn't turn out to be so as good as he should have been mm-hmm. is because Sir Alex would use Phil Jones all over the place. 
and I'm part and of it, that it, and it damages your I remember Chelsea made a philosophy change, right? They used to teach their attackers to play both on both sides of the attack and as a striker. Yeah. Their midfielders were taught to play as a six, a eight, and a ten. Yeah. Right? And like defenders were taught to defense. were taught to play across the defense. Cross the back, center back. Right. And there were certain players coming through that benefited from this. Because when when the, like the philosophy was, and I think at a youth level it makes sense. The philosophy is very very you no. Know, when you when you get into the first team, right? You do not know where you are going to be, or you don't know what position you're going to nail down as a starter. Example: Alfonso Davies went to Bayern as a right winger. Yeah, he's now one of the best young left backs in world football. Which is shocking to me because um, I've followed Alfonso Davis' career um, since his um, Vancouver Whitecaps. And when he was at the Vancouver Whitecaps, I was looking at him more like Ian Robbins' replacement rather than a. Because that was his. But that's style. what I thought when he. And that's what I thought when they bought him. Because that, that was his. When they, when they brought this guy into the squad and they put him at left back and the rest is history. Even if you had used him as like a left, hold on, hold on, even if you used him as a left wing back in a sense, right? In a like where you have a back three and you use him as yeah, a, I would, yeah, I would no. not be that surprised. As a but left back, a pure left back was very surprising to me because you bought a right winger. You bought somebody I mean, who's supposed to be competing with the Sanes and the Gnabrys in exactly, terms of but, inside forwards. But again, again, it says when you're in the academy because. Um, Alfonso went into Bayern's academy. He didn't go straight into the first. Straight, team. yeah. Even though he was, even though he was playing first team for, for like two or three years at um, sorry, two years at Whitecaps. Yeah, Bayern he went into the academy. academy. He went into yeah, the because, under nineteen. Yeah, he went yeah because Bayern. he was very young in the MLS, and also he still needs to make sure that he can catch up to European football. And you don't want put exactly. him, you, you want put him in the best position to um to be successful. To so be successful. Just, yeah, so you don't just throw them into the fire all the time. You don't just throw yourselves into the fire all the time. No, Sometimes you, know, you have to German bring them in. Football is very methodical. It's not, there's a method, yeah. there's a science to it. So yeah, and the science says left back. And I look at players like Mount. I look at players like Loftus Cheek. And then I look at players like Lewis Baker, Callum yeah. Hudson, and all. Lewis Baker is one of those players where being able to play in so many different positions has awesome. worked against him than yeah. worked for him. But Mount is the exact opposite. Being able to play in central midfield as two as a number eight and being able to play as a number 10 has benefited him greatly. Yeah, but his manager only really used him in those positions. You see, Lewis Baker, and this is why I say sometimes too many loan moves are a problem. Every loan that Lewis Baker has gone out on, he's played a different central midfield position. If you look at his... He's played um, as a number 10 at Vitesse. Yeah. Right? He went on his second year at Vitesse, he played as an 8. Right? Yeah, he played as a deep-lying playmaker. That would be in the defensive midfield position. Right? And then when he came back on loan into England again, then he went back into central midfield. What's a German club? The German club is as a defensive midfielder that he went down. Oh, okay. I, I don't I don't remember if they got relegated um back, but like they use him as a defensive midfielder. Then he went to Turkey to trap zone score and they use him as a 10, and it was a damn good season. So that's why sometimes even his loan spells are inconsistent because every manager has a different system and a plan for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when but it you comes see, down it's to it's easier when you are, let's say, let's use all right, who should I use? All right, let's use Pulisic. All right, yeah, it's easier when you are Pulisic who you know is a hero. Is that a left wing or right wing? Yeah, but Pulisic can play as a ten as well. True, so he's, he's kind of a bad example. Attackers are a bad example to use. Let's use another midfielder. All right, Akante. It's easier for a canter with no the hero. At canter, you're playing in central midfield. Yeah. Whether as a two or a three, but you're playing in central midfield. Mm-hmm. It's easier for you to come through the ranks knowing the hero 
They're a central midfielder. And here's a funny thing about Kante. Kante came up as an attacking midfielder. Like, yes, they bought him as an attacking midfielder. midfielder. Exactly. Yes, Ranieri put him at... Yeah, because when you realize, say, you're weird. You're better... Your attributes are better suited to doing this... Yeah. ...and doing that. Which is the biggest difference with football now, because football is very stat- very statistical and it's very um, analytical now. And, you know, when Tushar gives interviews, they hear him reference the stats and saying that, yo, for example, the Super Cup penalty shootout. He said that the stats showed us that Kepa was better at saving penalties than Mendy. Yeah, but many we, we've seen that before that our goalkeepers team through not the best goalkeeper through 90 minutes, but we were putting him in a penalty setting. Martinez. I like Martinez as my Argentina keeper, but I don't like him throughout 90 minutes because he's prone to mistakes. He may come on this penalty area, but he's not an all-around goalkeeper. He's you a know, shot stopper. You know, who's, but, who, who, you know who's the best example? Who that? The Gaya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when you were, even you was considered one of the best goalkeepers or the best goalkeeper in the world. In the world, yeah. You do not want to put the game a penalty shooter because he's not no, saving him. No, but through 90 minutes, reflexes. Through 90 oh minutes, you probably would you probably wouldn't go to penalty shootouts because he probably would have won you the match or stopped other team from scoring. Exactly. But in a penalty but if you went if, if you went to a penalty shootout, you don't you don't want him there. Willie Caballero made a made a career at Man yes, which, which is what which is which is why I was dumbfounded at the fact that Argentina didn't call him for two trophies that led to penalty shootouts. The Very weird, is, isn't it? Yeah, the two Copa Americas that they lost back to back were penalty shootouts, and Caballero was called to the squad. And I thought that would be the perfect role for him. Like, yes, I want Romero through 90 minutes because Romero, Romero plays world-class art. For clubs, I think Sampdoria is the only good skill yet. Um, but guess what? For Argentina, it's a different thing. Um, but still, I don't, want, I don't necessarily want Romero. If I can pick Caballero over Romero for my penalty shootout, I'm picking Caballero. Because one made a career out of being a penalty expert. Exactly. The only time Caballero was really a 90-minute guy was with Malaga and he could only help them to the Europa League. Well, the Champions League, actually, but they didn't really go that far. Quarter five, I think it was the, quarter, the round of 16, Dortmund knocked them out and then went on to play somebody else. Um, but yeah, Caballero is necessarily the key for you depending on to win your title unless you're in a penalty shootout. So. But over the course of a season... Caballero isn't that was never that consistent. Because he's never reached the heights of world class. He's always been under that level. Like where, yeah, he's a damn good goalkeeper, but he's not world class. But in a penalty setting, there's probably few other keepers you want. But so, player, you know, players you know, like Saul. What? Yeah, Saul, yeah. Continue, continue your point. Yeah, so players like Saul, eventually they're going to want to stop doing that because uh, here's the next problem. You see, that method of doing things won them more trophies, then I think they would be happier. One of the things, one of the reasons why I think Lam wasn't didn't mind playing as a utility player, and certain players don't like don't mind playing on the youth as utility players. Is because the football is fun to play. At Atletico, the football isn't fun to play unless you're blowing out someone. And Which that's really where if you're and even when and even when Atletico are dominating teams, you probably get a three new looks. Because of their playing style. Which is what which is why I said that um Simeone is Underutilized, underutilized many of the talents that he has, which is what, which is, which brings me back to his uh, two Champions League finals teams. If you had let those teams play with a little bit more freedom, you would have probably tried and outscored Madrid, which you could at the time because you had the players at the time. But you chose to play your playing style. I don't go against that. But unless Simeone frees up his players, 
he will always lose. He will always lose players to Barca, Chelsea, even Real Madrid. He'll always lose players to them because again, when you're playing in a Pep Guardiola system, if he asks you to play at centre back today, you're still getting a shit ton of touches on the ball because guess what? Your Pep centre backs are involved in their play. They're not just a brick wall that is supposed to set themselves up when it's time to defend and then pass mm-hmm. to the midfield immediately. They're a part of everything. So when you're under certain systems, you're playing in a Guardiola system and you say, all right, go play as a right back today. Hey, that right back needs to overlap and do all sorts. So it's less limiting. When you're playing under an Antonio Conte or Diego Simeone and he asks you to be a utility, after a while, it wears on you. Mentally and physically. Yeah. Which is why I say even Sir Alex. Sir Alex is maybe one of the most attacking managers of all time, despite being a 4-4-2. Um, but the reason why players didn't mind playing as a utility in his squad is because it's an all-out attack. Shit, you can play center but can get a goal in a, in a Sir Alex squad. So... Playing as a utility player wears on you no matter what, but it wears on you faster when you play under managers who are structured. Um, you have to do this. Complete discipline. When the, foot, when the football is run somewhat like an army, then it's best to have specialist mm-hmm. players because at least they're being themselves, but at the same time in a structured way. When you're in a structured setting and somebody's playing you all over the place, you can't even actually be yourself because, again, we have not seen the best of Saul despite him winning La Liga last year. Uh, we are, despite winning the Europa League, like we have never seen the best of a senior squad because his squad is so restricted. And I hate bashing Simeone like this because I admire, I, I admire pragmatic managers. It's a, it's a balance to the game that most people don't appreciate. But you're not going to appreciate the attacking play if you don't have pragmatic managers. If you don't have managers who can shut, shut everything down and just take a one nil victory or plan out for a one nil victory and execute it properly, like you're not going to appreciate the attacking play. You're just going to demand more of attackers. Then you're going to want the rules to start changing because... Um, Let's say that you're getting, let's say that every match in football right now was a shootout of, of attacking play, right? Eventually, you're not yeah. going to be satisfied with 5 5. True. Eventually, you're going to see 10 5. Eventually, you're going to tell, you're going to tell teams that you don't need to play with defenders anymore. Eventually, it will be like basketball, where it's just score, 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 and by the time, don't go die. And then you will start changing, um, and that's the NFL rules. You're going to start changing rules that make the game more attractive. Meaning that, for example, right now in football, if you blow a breeze, if the breeze blew up on a forward, and you had a defender will stand up in front of you, <laughs> card. It's a card. So you're going to make rule changes that make it easier for attackers. Yes, they have. If you and are, you know, if, it's funny because on, the reason why you can understand why they've done that in terms of changing the rules to favor the attackers, because let's be honest with you, goals make matches exciting. Of course. Nobody, you've never heard somebody say, yo, you know, so that one deal that did exciting. No. Yeah, or that nil all draw was a hell of a match. No, no. But yo, you hear say, yo, that four three that did nice. Exactly, which is why, which is which is what is so difficult sometimes. Why I even respect pragmatic members because for you to know that, and it's not that these guys don't know, these guys know that their playing style isn't the most attractive, but it's the most efficient or effective. Say what you want about Jose, you can't make him trophies back. Say what you want about Simeone, the two most the two most attractive teams in the league couldn't hold a candle to him last week. Mm-hmm. So again, like I don't think Simeone needs to make a huge change. I don't think Jose needs to make a huge change. Just allow the players a bit more freedom. I saw that from Jose at Roma this this weekend. 
He's not playing with yep, an out-and-out out defensive well. He's not playing with an out-and-out out defensive midfielder, but he still keeps the team very structured. But without playing with a holding, with a pure holding midfielder, you have a bit more attacking play. So that's what I was saying. Like I think Simeone should have just changed this formation, which would allow Koke and Saul a bit more freedom if you change to a 4-4-2, diamond rather than a flat 4-4-2. Play whoever you want up alongside Suarez. If you want to use Felix as a 10 or up alongside Suarez, cool. But let Simeone and Koke have the freedom that Modric and Cruz had at Real Madrid, where they could control the midfield as their actual natural position. And then you make you make um Yorente or Hector Herrera play that holding midfield. If you want to use Rodrigo de Paul as a number 10 and Jao Felix up front, or if you want to start Jao Felix and make um somebody play alongside Torres like a Korea, cool. But allow Saul and Koke to have that freedom to play in midfield, or you're going to lose them. Now Koke has re- Koke is up is maybe like three, four years older than Saul. So maybe no, no really team other than the time when Barca came for him. And Simeone forced that move up that. Because if Koke came to us, we wouldn't have record. We wouldn't have had record. So, um, yeah, eventually he's going to lose these players who are much more talented than he allows them to be. And I think, you know, that's why you probably, it's very weird, but I guess, like you say, you know, it's results. Seriously, though, like, look at it, you know, like, he has a lot of players where you, if you probably, if he probably allows them to play. Again, you can keep that defensive like If he allows them to play, maybe, all right, let's look at Tuchel, right? Yeah. Tuchel likes attractive football, attacking football, but there's a strong, solid defensive base. Yeah, you, you still build that yeah. you, you build your attack from your foundation of defense. So you build from your defense and show you, which is why I said Mourinho right now doesn't like the fact that he, has, he doesn't have a pure defensive midfielder, but Roma are playing in a, a certain structure where they're still playing attractive because there's a shift on a creative players on the field in, in terms of midfield. His midfield is, is filled with either creative box-to-box midfielders or deep-line playmakers who can play higher. Pedigrini is a deep-line playmaker. He's being used as a number 10 right now. Cristante and Berto are really creative box-to-box midfielders. They're his midfield pivot. And Jose usually likes to have at least one purely defensive midfielder in there. He's like, all right, well, I'm mm-hmm. going to keep my structure. I'm going to keep the structure of the squad defensively solid. But we're going to keep attack-minded players on the pitch so that when we do attack, it's beautiful. So I think Simeone needs to find that balance. I think you... And Brian Ortega, I don't know if I'm getting this name right. Brian Ortega. One of the difficult things um, when playing Simeone style is that you have to get a certain fit. So. Because it is high intensity at all times. Yep. You, you counter-attack with high intensity, you defend with high intensity, you press with high intensity. Brian Ortega, which is their um, athletic trainer, I don't know if I'm getting that name wrong. I know Ortega is his last name. I don't remember his first name. I don't know if Brian is the card. I might be thinking about UFC fighter right now. But Ortega, that is the physical coach for Atletico Madrid. Um, world-renowned physical coach. I think he needs to find a balance where he doesn't learn how to play outside. Now, I personally don't know what caused Dembele to collapse at training. I don't want to say it's because of how hard training was. But we've heard players like Luciano Vieto come out and say to himself, yo, it's not my skill why I didn't, or why I wasn't successful at that Atletico Madrid. I couldn't handle things. Sir. Mm-hmm. And Saul is a it's... hard-working player, naturally. Um, Saul is, is, a, yes. is a hard-working player. Same thing with Koke. 
So when you have these guys who can play all over the pitch and they're football intelligent, but they work very hard, like you tend to force yourself to use them all over the place because they, they, have, they have high work ethic. If Saul was a deep line playmaker who just likes to stand around and then when he gets the ball, he becomes a deep line playmaker, this would be a whole other conversation. I was actually angry at Roma when they played when they played Pialich as a register. Because really? when yeah, because when Pialic came in, he was an attacking midfielder who could play as a deep line. Go back to Pialic from Leon. Pialic was a number 10. When Roma bought him. We bought Pialic and Strootman. Strootman was supposed to be the deep line playmaker, Pialic the attacking playmaker from me. Then we should have signed that we had Deras here. So Derasi was still a starter at the time. Then, out of nowhere, we bought Raja Nyangolan. Love Nyangolan at Roma. Hate how his career turned out. Turned out because he's a, he's a player who I don't think teams gave a proper chance to. But when they brought in Nyangolan, they had the question of, okay, Derasi's old now. His legs can't manage the defensive midfield role. So let's bring Derasi and Tati off the bench as experienced guys when we need them. But they can't handle the 90 minutes anymore at a high level. So I saw Roman drop Pialic to, 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 to the um, register role. And because Nyangolan is a creative box-to-box midfielder, Schumann was a deep-line playmaker who worked very, very hard. So he kind of worked like a box-to-box mid. So they kind of used Pialic as a register and used two box-to-box midfielders alongside him. Or two guys who worked very hard but were very creative at the same time. So mm-hmm. I was very pissed off at that. Granted, that midfield carried us to second place uh, with Jervinho and Jeko and somebody else up front. But at the same time, it pissed me off because um, it, it played Pialic in a role that I know he could play. I know he could play as a register, but I felt like you were now fucking up a deep line playmaker or fucking up my number 10. Granted, he went on to play world class at that position, but I felt like you were, I felt like you were um, taking away a part of his game. That, and we saw the results at Barca. At Barca, he almost seems like he doesn't know how to play as a deep line playmaker anymore. It seems like you have to play him as a register. Mm-hmm. So that's what I didn't want. I didn't want him to become so special at playing that as a register. That he can't play higher up the pitch anymore. And especially in these later years of his career, no, I would want him to play as an attacking playmaker from midfield because he would do less defensive work. And at Barca, it hasn't worked out that way. It seems like if he's not sitting in front of the back four and dictating everything in front of him, he, he isn't that. That attacking instinct that he used to have at um, Leon and at the beginning of his Roma career where he could even add goals from midfield, I don't see that mm-hmm. in Pialic anymore. I still see the creator from deep, but it seems like he has to play as a register. So I'm hoping that that doesn't happen to... Well, Saul has made the decision to come to Chelsea. Yes, so. and he's still he's 26, so... He still has maybe five, six, seven years of top class football left in him. Yeah. So what 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 are your expectations though for Saul? Uh, it's a lone move, and like I said, Chelsea's the deepest squad in Europe. In terms of having a balance of quality and depth, because there's many teams that have depth, but the depth on the bench is not much quality. Chelsea have two starting elevens. So for Saul, I just think he's going to perform well in the matches that he's asked to depend because I think I think Tuchel is going to use his Tuchel is going to use everybody based on his play. So if I if I need a Saul in this situation, I'll start Saul. If I need Kovacic in this, I'll start him. If I need Georgie and Kante, I'll start him. Um, but my expectation for Saul is just a good season. Like, I think he's going to perform at least at bare minimum as good as he did for Atletico. And he was still performing world-class for Atletico while being restricted. So let's see what he does on the two-shell with a little monster. So do you think he can do a cover switch? 
where he performed that well that the club activates the class to buy him. Yes, but again, like Chelsea's to me, Chelsea's main plan should be to get get uh what's his name from Wesson? Declan. Get Declan Rice, make Kai Havertz, Mountain Rice in it. Or get Rice. So finally make make the decision and move to a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1. Yeah, let's let's get because again, I think that this Chelsea squad as talented as it is now. You know that's the future, yeah. You know that's the future of the of the squad. We we can Mm -hmm. see where this based on the players that we have, we see where the squad is. Where the squad is exactly. So it's best to make that transition as quickly as possible, being that these guys felt what it's like to win the champions. It's best not to hold off on that transition. So even if you buy Saul and you partner him with Declan Rice, I use Mount as the 10 high out wide, or you want to play a 4-4-2 diamond and keep Werner and Lukaku up front, Kai, Kai in behind as them 10, and um, Saul and, and Mount either side of Declan Rice. Cool, I have no problem with it. But like I said, my main interest for Chelsea is to transition this squad into a bunch of youngsters. And for the youngsters that you have, know what it's like to win a Champions League. They know how hard it is, and they've had leaders around them who have already taught them how to win. Aspi Liquator, Thiago Silva, I would even put Antonio Rudiger in there to some extent. Jorginho Kante. So, Rudiger and Kante to a lesser extent, but you see the work ethic that those guys put up. But leadership wise, Jorginho, Aspi Liquator, um, and Thiago. So, and check his, check has been around training ground because he was registered as one of our, one of our goalkeepers last year, right? Mm-hmm, yep. So he's been around the training grounds as well. So um, now I think now you start to transition. So yeah, you still want to win the league and win all of your trophies this year. But I think next year we should be transitioning to a squad that is new, fresh, Chelsea. Something new that people have to contend. Because but trust me. Something you know that people have to contend with? Not really, because... Kovacic has been in the league for a while. The majority of our defenders are known by, by teams. True. And that by, doesn't mean that. Yeah, no, but that, that's because no, they are work, they are world class in their own right. No, what I mean is that eventually people will catch up to your playing style and people will catch up to your um to how your players specifically. Because basically what, what, what I'm getting from you is that this is still an Antonio Conte squad. Uh, well, I mean Antonio Conte squad. This is still a squad where a three at the back is still the best option to win. Yeah, with. yeah so, so it isn't like an Ancelotti or Jose where a back four is the best option. Lampard wanted that transition, but he didn't have the players to, to play a back four. Yes, yeah, so because like you don't I... have the midfield for a back four right now, exactly. Which is why I said when you transition the squad to a new squad. They're giving people completely new problems. The thing about Chelsea squad now is that you have so much talent and so much depth, you can still overwhelm teams with a 3 4 team. But yes. what but if you were to transition and you squad, can change and you can change formations on the pitch without even making a substitution. Exactly. But eventually people will catch up to that. So mm-hmm. not and you And it's very the, funny though because Tusha is a manager we are. At Dortmund, at Mainz, at PSG even. Ganti never did much at PSG, but I think that was because of the players that he had. But at Dortmund, at Mainz, this man is playing a new formation every four match. Yeah, but like I said, you have to keep it fresh. But you don't want to keep it too fresh that <coughs> your players don't know what to do. You don't want to constantly be changing formations to the point where your players don't necessarily know what exactly are their rules in the squad. So, and we've yet to see Tuchel's famous 4-2-4. Exactly. So, like I said, it's best to transition to the squad into something completely new, rather than say, "Okay, I'm going to transition the squad, but we're still going to play a three-four-two." Give the, give the, give them something completely new to figure out. Because even if people figure out, because even if people figure out Chelsea this year, 
or figure out our playing style. We have so much talent and so much depth that it would not matter. But a lot of this talent... Yeah, because you can, over, you can overwhelm them with, with talent. Exactly. It's like not I the said, window in football. No matter how good tactics are at the end of the day, sometimes big teams have players that will just overwhelm you with just sheer brilliance. And you, you can't plan for that. Hazard was very good at doing that. Yeah, but here's the they thing. might set no. up tactically right and you stifle the match and then one dribble, bam, the goal score, you lose the match. Yeah, but not only that, but one of the things about even Chelsea's Champions League winning squad is that we had waves of 11s. Meaning that if I took out, for example, our starting 11 throughout that year, most of our, our, our starting 11 throughout that year was one matter, Kalu, and I think um, Torres up front, um, Mata played on the wing sometimes, sometimes as a 10, because sometimes it was Lampard as the 10, Ramirez and Mikel in midfield. Sometimes yeah. it was R- Lampard and Ramirez at the base of the midfield, um, Mata as the 10, and then we'd use Kalu and um, Storage out wide when he was fit. So you could see that Chelsea were transitioning, which is a part of why VS Boss got fired because he dropped the Dragbas and Maludas and, and the Terrys. The Lampard, the Terrys, like a madman. Yeah, but he wasn't necessarily wrong in his thinking. But no, he wasn't wrong. No, 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 no. His execution was wrong. He wasn't wrong. He was, execution no, was wrong. I don't think any right Chelsea fan can say that he was wrong. No, but his execution was wrong. His no, execution but, but, was you wrong. You know, it's like, it's like you're walking to the King's Temple and you look on the knights them and tell them, say, yo, here we know. I strip the wall on the night. Exactly. So you, you transition that. out of that slowly. Yeah, you do that. You, 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 you guide out of that slowly. Um, because, Villa just wanted to do it instantly. Yeah, but because what Villa Boas did, you know, was, like I say, you're coming into a team where these players are being invited up to the row, up to the owner's private yacht. Have the owner number up on speed dial. And you know, just fresh manager just come in, you barely even talk to the owner. And then yeah, look at him and tell them, say, yo. I'm, I want to no. transition out of this squad. But you did that slowly rather than quick pace, which is what Diaz was wanted to do. But one of the things that hold up benefited Di Matteo in the Champions League was that if I take off Torres, Mata, or if I take off Torres, Kalu, Mata, or and Storage, I'm bringing on Maluda and Lampard. I'm sorry, I'm bringing on Maluda and Drogba. So I'm bringing on talent that, okay, if I don't beat you with Torres and Matas and Lampard and Ramirez, sure I still have Drogba and Maluda. Exactly. Drogba, Maluda, Raul Morales, Mikel. Um, these guys are still coming on. So you still have another wave of starting 11 quality players to come on. And that's what Chelsea has right now. Which is why I said that um, this feels eerily similar to the 2012 um, after the 2012 season. Because I would, I would say more your I would say more your 2009. Now wouldn't go that, that, that far, man. It was at that time where, where we created two starting levels. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to go back just that far. kept going up to 2012. Yeah, the but I want... 2009. It's because the squad was still young in 2009. No, but the players were still young. In yeah, 2012, the players were old. No, but here's why I don't use that, that squad. Mm-hmm. By the t- you see, the people who were playing in 09, they yeah. were at, like I said, that point in their career where um, they were starting to get old, the SCNs, those guys. Like, were to be old. fair, you know, to be fair, this is more reminiscent of Jose's first spell. I, no, I wouldn't, say, I, I wouldn't say that. Like I no, said, I here, no, here's why I tell you why. Yeah. The age range of, of the players who are in the squad. This When they won their first league title, they were all around the same ages as Mounts and Kai when they won the Champions League. They were still in their early 20s. No, but here's why I said it, this one is, is more closer to, to, to 2011 um, than anything else. <laughs> Your SCNs, your Georginios, your Tiago Silvas, your Asculiquators are at that point in their career where they're, where they're getting older. The young guys who are winning the Champions League, like your Juan Mata, your Torres, your um, 
Ramirez was still young at the time. Mikel was still somewhat young because he's been in the squad since he was like an 18 year um, True, but the thing is, these guys are in their prime. In this, well, squad, we have, we have I wouldn't say in prime. Our... No, hold on, hold on, hold on. I wouldn't say in prime because remember, we just bought one Mata from Valencia. That was his first year in yeah, the Premier League. Mata, no, that was his second year. No, first year. First, first year. His first, first year. Literal first year. First, first year. And we beat, we beat Arsenal to sign him. I remember that Valencia squad very well. It's his first year in the Premier League that he won that championship. Literal first. Okay. Lukaku was very young. Mikel, very young old by him. Yeah, so but Mikel was like a... 25, 26 when won the champion. Yeah, yeah, but that's a skill. Compared to how long he's been in the Chelsea squad, he was still a young, young guy. Ramirez had, 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 had been at the team for maybe three years. Ancelotti brought in Ramirez. So Ramirez has been at part of the squad for at least two years prior. Because I remember Ramirez from Benfica. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ramirez came Luis in. Was, Luis was just bought. Exactly. Luis was just bought. And he was bought from the same Benfica squad that Ramirez was bought. He I just left a year. K- I think we bought Cahill the January. Yeah, we bought Cahill the January from Fulham. Bolton. Was it not Bolton? Was no, Bolton. Fulham. No, man, Fulham. No, I think it's Bolton. No, it's not for, I think it's Bolton. Yeah. But it's 8 million. Yeah, I think it was Bolton. Yeah, one out of the two. Is it a boat? You sure on a full-up? No, I think it's Bolton. Who am I thinking that is relating to Fulham that Chelsea had, had signed or... I, I, I don't... Yeah, yeah, yeah Bolton. Yeah, it was yeah, Bolton. Yeah, it was Bolton. Yeah, I, I, I'm starting to remember their spot. Um, I was thinking about Damien, but sorry. Um, oh, yes. Don't forget from Fulham. And we sold him back. We sold him back. So um, I'm thinking about him because he has that Chelsea relationship. So um, was it Kane's first goal at Fulham? Our first game? Um, I don't remember. They... There was some, uh, yeah, uh, there was some relation to that. Or was he sitting in the stands at a Fulham match? I don't know what it was. But um, I know there was some relation to Fulham. But yeah, Bolton at the no, time. No, he made his debut from... at United. Yeah, but I think he was sitting in the stands before signing, you know, at a Fulham match. I remember a derby match where I think David Lewis was in the scored. stands. Yeah, well, he was sitting in the stands, and people, and I think the the, the, the camera panned to him as like people um saying that he was going to Chelsea. So, um, that's what I remember. I, I was thinking about the time around where we signed. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he was sitting in the stands at a Chelsea. And I think it was against Fulham. I'm not 100% sure, but I think that's what we're bringing the whole Fulham into, into order. But yeah, with the whole Bolton thing. Yeah, we just signed him from Bolton. And he was still considered a young centre-back at the time, even though he was like in around that, that age where he's in his prime or going into his prime. But because of how long he's been in the Premier League, I still consider him somewhat of a young guy. But uh-huh. it was still guys like SCN. Um, Lampard, Drogba, Maluda, and Kalu, who were really the and Anelka, sorry, Maluda, Anelka, and Drogba, who were really as aging players. Mm-hmm. Um, Basingwa, Paulo Ferreira, um, eight were considered aging players. Um, Ivanovic was in his prime, but still considered somewhat of a younger guy in the squad mm-hmm. in comparison to some others who still had Alex at center, but he was an aging guy, he left for PSG next season. Um, I don't think a lot of people remember Alex buried a beautiful free kick against Liverpool. Um, yes. so we had guys who were aging out, but at the same time could still contribute. We brought in Raul Morales, we stole him from Liverpool because he was wasting his time there. Let's say we stole him from Liverpool. Listen, listen, yeah, come win a Champions League, not Carling Cup now, players, so come win a Champions League. So what they were they were wasting him, so Chelsea steal him. I think he was in January as well. Chelsea steal him from Liverpool, taking the only other guy Gerard had decided in the midfield for that time period, and of course went on to to win the Champions League. That's why I relate this squad more to that later Champions League squad because guys like Jorginho and Kante, as much as we love those guys, we should be transitioning out of them. 
much as I love Aspilicator, like I love the um, Cole and Masingo and those guys, it's time to transition into that. Much as I love um, Rudiger, like like all of like Ivanovic, because he's the one that reminds me of Ivanovic the most. Yeah. Um, we should still be looking to transition out of that squad, which is why I will see that. Which I think, look at the club's business. The youngsters that they've let go and the buyback clauses that they've put in. I think the club is looking at that and saying, okay, then we let you guys go out there and develop and play first team football. But when the time comes out to allow Aspel Equator to leave, you know, maybe we go with Knock and Southampton, do I say, with the linear a right back, we need him back. Crystal Pulse, the linear centre back, we need him back. Even Roma with the linear striker, we need him back. You have a Bible class with Tommy? Yes, you have a Bible class with Tommy. You feel like you're going to make him go for so uh, cheap without a Bible class? You're crazy. Well, 35 million are cheap. Of course, that's cheap. I'm married. We have to have both here. Cheap. That's not fucking cheap. That's not cheap. It's not cheap for Roma. That's not cheap overall. 35 million is not cheap. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't keep million, you know. Yeah, well, that's that's somebody fleecing somebody else. Just because they're best of <laughs> No, just because you, just because, hold on, stop. Because other people can take advantage of money pocket and Arsenal pockets does not mean that that does not apply for everyone. Just because them can negotiate, I mean, so we forget the, we forget the, the, the blunt of that. You will not have negotiations because that's your business, sir. I think I think Sevilla thought they were going to get the same thing from us too when they decided that oh we're gonna just raise the price from Marina every week. Said, every week. So first it's 13 and then 40, then 50, then 60, now 70. And the rest about it, you know, we have an agreement, say yo, 40 million pounds. We're gonna sell Zuma and then we are coming you know. We sell Zuma, we're calling the button now. We say, yo, all right, then come back, we finish this up. Then they as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, then put like get Zuma with 20 million. Yeah, but Zuma never did one guy, Sevilla. So. But Sevilla, exactly. But I still think that's a stupid decision. Personal. I'm just saying, personally. I'm just saying, personally. You know personal, how Chelsea yeah, treat players where, that are good servants to the club? You, you know them now, go. Yeah, they're not going to be a two, two. Yeah, like, So if yeah. I say, yo, West Ham, you want to go? And you want to go up and achieve, no problem, we're not fight you. Yeah, See but my part. problem is your career. My problem is your career. Yes, I don't you know. I think maybe more. he wants to play in the Premier League. I guess he wants to play. That's why I said I don't mind. Like I said, I don't, I don't disagree with that. But like and I yo, said, you can't lie. David Moyes is building a damn good West Ham team. Yeah, but I've seen, I've seen Alan Pardew build a damn good Newcastle team. I've seen um Leicester yeah, City but build. No, no, no. This different, bro. This different, bro. The signings that West Ham has made because you know they signed Vlasic, right? Yes, I know they signed Vlasic. I know they signed, um, they're looking to sign Adam Unas over before Marseille gets it. I know they like signed the ben signings Rahman. that they have made are very good signings. They, they signed Kral, they signed the defensive midfielder Kral from um, Spartak Moscow, the um, Czech Republic defensive midfielder. So him and Suchek will eventually be the midfield here when Declan Rice eventually gets. But that's still to me. Again, I've, I've seen so many of these teams who have come up for two seasons or three seasons and then drop off. Yeah, we've seen it so... Brother, remember what I said Fulham was a, was a Europa League team. Don't forget that. No, yeah, but let's be realistic, right? Zuma's won what? He's won the Premier League. He's won the Champions League. He's won the FA mm. Cup. He's won the League Cup. He's now won the Super League. Mm. Remember Europa League? No, not the Europa no. League. Unknown. Yeah, he was unknown at the time. So, yo, by the Europa League, he's basically won everything he can in England. Yeah, but like I said, go to another club where you can be a high-impact player and still compete for trophies and still make a national team. Your national team is one of the most competitive in world football. The moment, even if you are performed well for West Ham, if, if somebody from PSG is playing well and they're not, they're not even a regular startup, they're getting mm-hmm. called to the squad. If somebody plays for um, a German club and they're starting, um, let's say let's say somebody plays for like Leverkusen or even Dortmund, or even mm-hmm. Gladbach or Leipzig, if they're starting, um, they're not going to call somebody from West Ham. That's why I thought Sevilla would have been better because you would have definitely started 
Right now, how La Liga is set up, you'd actually be competing for the title. Because Sevilla weren't far off last year. As a matter of fact, I was worried that Barca would be competing. Oh, sad. <laughs> and I wouldn't say sad because it's good that the smaller teams are actually... No, like, no, no. For the, for the league itself, it's good. It's yeah. For the league, it's good. But, but I don't see it sad for Barca or Real Madrid either because what I want for La Liga is that when these teams are at their best, the, the Atletico Madrid, the Real Madrid, the Barca, I still want these Sevillas and these Real Sociedad to continue improving. I don't want a league, I don't want Barca like walking away with a league title. Atletico didn't walk away with a league title last year. Yeah, but basically, but low key, low key, low key, that's low key. None of the three teams Atletico, are at their best. Atletico should have wrapped up that league from like January. Again, I don't they think so. Made it, uh, Atletico don't think so. made it into a title race. Because they really so. like 12 points at the start of the year. Yeah, but again... And they, they I, just lost matches. No, but like I said, I don't think it's just them losing matches. I don't think people want to give credit to no, them. No, 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 I'm slow. I'm not saying that Atletico threw these matches. I'm saying I'm, I, they got beaten because the other teams were just better. I'm just saying by all intensive purposes, they should have wrapped up that league from January. And that's where and they had the really... opportunity to do that. No, they did. They did have the opportunity to do that. No, that's like what I, I mean. Said. They had the opportunity to wrap up oh, yeah, from January. Definitely, they did. They did. They, they, there's no going around that. that that's literally it shouldn't what have happened. been a title race at the end. They should have wrapped up like the, the margin of victory should have been bigger than what it was at the end of the season in terms of the point gap. True. Because that... they shouldn't have allowed Madrid to even think that they had a chance at even, you know, taking over Getting the, back. the the spot exactly, but like you said, the other La Liga teams they smell blood, and when exactly. they smell blood, they say it's time for me to get my pound of flesh. And they did come for the pound of flesh. All those um, years I'm eating, no? All right, so I think that's where we're in it for today. Uh, we're going way over time, or like seven minutes or one time. Uh, next episode probably just wrap up the transfer we'll because we haven't done that just because we haven't done it and then we'll just get into some international football um, as the inter- what, when the, the international break ends not this weekend but next weekend right? usually two weeks uh, right? week after week after yeah so the 11th of September is when football comes back yeah so that's next week sir uh, so yeah, that's mm-hmm. it for us for now. So um, find us on YouTube at Live Sports. Oh, 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 find find um, yeah, just search Live Sports on YouTube. Just search for Live Sports on Anchor FM. Uh, our social media accounts have been created, but we haven't been promoting that much because uh, we have our lives outside of. This that we need to maintain. Lucky, I need to I need those logins because I need to add them to my phone to do the promotions. Yeah, but like I must say, we have so much things going on in our lives outside of this that what try to get with life actually in balance so it doesn't continue to affect the podcast. So and the things and the businesses that we're trying to do moving forward. So as things go get better, you guys will see a bit more consistency from us. Uh, but mm-hmm. that's it for first one.